Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Well, hi, plant people. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for joining me today here on Plow and Hose. We are right in the middle of this Arctic cold front and I am inside recording today because my backyard and my back patio are currently frozen. Um, This time last week I was pretty excited about spring being right around the corner and I was just so pleased with how things were looking around my yard Um, and then one week later Now this, it is stupid cold and everything is coated with ice. It does look kind of pretty and sparkly, but I'm really annoyed because all my plants had been looking so good. And now, after all this, I have no idea what kind of shape my garden is going to be in after we get through this week of these terribly brutal cold temperatures. You know, even last week I had noticed some blue bonnets starting to pop up in my blue bonnet patch. Um, I thought about them um, right as it was getting colder and I was a little worried about them being able to survive, but I looked it up and um, those blue bonnets are pretty tolerant of these unexpected cold snaps. So I think they're going to be okay even if we can have a hard time um, dealing with the colder temperatures. But I've really resigned myself to just kind of going with the flow. It is what it is. We are kind of in between growing seasons. So depending on how things fare, it may just be better just for me to focus on a having a strong, warm season garden. And there's lots of several things that we can do to um, help prepare for the next growing season. Now, um, it's been a few weeks, maybe two weeks, I'm not sure, maybe three weeks. Um, My brain apparently is frozen too, but um, I did start some tomatoes inside and also some pepper seeds. Um, They are actually keeping me kind of busy, which is a little ridiculous. I had the absolute perfect um, spot for my seed starting trays. So um, I had filled up the, the seed trays with soil and I planted all the little seeds and cleaned up my mess and got them watered and then parked them on the counter right under this great set of cabinet lights. I um, switched on the light and then I left them to do their thing. And they were there for about, you know, two days and um, I'd walk through the room and I noticed that Um, Someone had turned the cabinet light off, so um, I had to go and turn that back on, and then it seemed like as soon as I turned around, it would get turned off again. So I finally put a piece of clear packing tape over the light switch so my family would know to um, leave the light on for my little plants. 
and that was probably good for maybe four hours. Um, and then when I walked back through, I discovered that my cat laying right on top of my seed starting trays, she had found a nice warm spot to curl up and decided to take a nap. I was like, really cat? You know, I finally got the light situation resolved. And then here comes this cat to lay on my tray of dirt. Awesome. But, you know, in the end, it was all right. She really hadn't heard anything. Um, I would have been pretty pissed off if she had laid down on top of any seedlings. But because of that light always getting switched off, um, I, I didn't have any little sprouts poking up. So that it was all good. It all worked out. But I did have to find um, a new location for my seed trays. And I didn't really have an alternative spot to put them, so I've kind of been moving them around so they can get enough light and they can stay warm. Those tomato seedlings like it for um, for things to for it to be bright and warm. Um, so before all of this crazy weather, I had actually been moving them um, outside in the morning, and then I'd cover them with one of those big clear plastic boxes. And then I'd move them back in um, after work in the evening. And I was a bit worried that they wouldn't sprout, but so far so good. I have lots of tiny baby tomato and baby pepper seeds that are finally starting to sprout. Peppers can take nearly twice as long for, um, twice as long to germinate as tomatoes. Tomato seeds only need really a week to 10 days to sprout, but pepper seeds take their time and you have to be patient with them. It can take up to like three weeks for peppers to decide if they are gonna germinate or not. But now I just need to figure out the best place to put these little baby plants to keep them happy and inside and definitely safe from sleepy cats. Um, you could start some seeds inside like eggplant, chard, cucumbers, squash. It's actually the perfect time of the year to start cucumbers and squash inside. These guys like our warm, sunny spring weather and freaky Arctic blast aside, um, it's way too early to start them outside, but you could start them indoors now and have them grown and mature enough to plant outside just as soon as it's safe. So the last average frost in Central Texas is March 5th. If we want to get them out in the ground as soon as possible, then it's recommended that we start these seeds indoors two weeks before the last average frost. So counting back from March 5th, that means we need to start them inside right about now, so mid-February. Unlike those um, pepper seeds, cucumber and squash are very enthusiastic germinators. If you have fresh seeds, they rarely take more than a few days to sprout. And they put out really large seedlings right off the bat. So if you have kids around, squash and cucumbers are really good ones to help, um, to have the kids help. Um, you plant since they are so easy and with cucumbers you actually stand a chance of getting your kids to try a new vegetable. I am all for getting kids to have um, to have plants and learn about how to grow things especially growing food. To me 
um, it's important for people to understand and appreciate where food comes from and all that's involved in growing fresh produce. Growing foods not only teaches kids uh, and people about science, but it also teaches kids soft skills like patience and nurturing. Gardening can also help um, older kids practice their critical um, thinking skills, things like cause and effect and problem solving. Um, for some kids, gardening can help relieve stress, and just taking five or ten minutes to switch gears and go outside and check on the plants can be a really great um, distraction for them. Caring for plants also teaches um, responsibility. Plants are a lot cheaper, and they're definitely more quiet than a puppy. I know, I know, it's stupid. You can't cuddle a tomato plant, or you can't play fetch with one, but they also don't bark, and you also get tomatoes. All right, let's get um, back to those uh, cucumber and squash seeds. We can start um, those seeds indoors now, since they are larger plants and they can be a little picky about transplanting. You might want to consider planting them in peat pots or paper cups that can be um, directly planted in the, um, in the ground when you put them out. If you want to just wait and directly sow the seeds, then you can put those out um, like the second half of March and into early April. But there is an advantage of going ahead and starting squash and cucumbers um, indoors. By planting more mature plants when you normally would direct sow seeds outside, you can actually get ahead of those horrible squash vine borers. Here in central Texas, those jerk bugs start showing up when the temperatures start to get, um, get warm. So we'll start seeing adult squash vine borer moths in late April, early May timeframe. The moths are black and orange bugs and they are shaped more like a bee or a wasp. They don't really have that typical um, moth-shaped wing that we are um, probably all more familiar with when you think of a moth. Um, but they are excellent pollinators and they are really drawn to yellow squash flowers. The squash vine borer moths really like squash plants. They will hang out and they'll visit the flowers and get them pollinated. But they also get to know other squash vine borer moths. And the next thing you know, these um, they are just all over the place, procreating and laying eggs everywhere. And their most favorite place to lay eggs is at the base of the squash plants. Those eggs will develop into larvae, and then the little tiny caterpillars will burrow into the vine and that's where they will live and they'll grow inside. And they think this is just like a super great place to be. But as they are growing and doing their thing, um, the poor squash plant is gonna start having issues with water and nutrient distribution. Sort of like how um, a clog in your pipes will in, in, impede the flow. Well, when that, um, larvae start living inside the vine, it's going to cause problems um, with the flow of nutrients and water within the vine. Eventually, the larvae will have eaten and grown so much that the squash plant 
um, is going to start to wilt and it will eventually die. Unfortunately, by the time that we notice that something is wrong with the plant, it's usually too late. Chances are they have done um, enough damage to the plant that it's just eventually going to shrivel up and die. And it's really awful. <laughs> um, because of um, the warm weather and um, when your plants are out in the garden growing in the late spring, you will... Um, your plants are going to look like they need like um, a drink of water. So you give them a little bit of extra water. And then the next day when you go out and you notice that they haven't responded to the water, then you think, well, maybe they just need some more nutrients. And so you give them some, some fertilizer and they don't really respond to that. And then um, the next time you go and check on them, the plants will just have um, big holes in the vines. And then, then the plants just up and die. But... If you plant your seedlings early, your baby plants will have a chance to grow and set flowers and produce fruit. And you can get a decent harvest before the squash vine borers have a chance to ruin all your vines. Last year, I was pretty late in getting my squash seeds planted, but um, I got lots of flowers and I had large pretty plants, but I lost all of them to those awful squash vine borers because it was so late. So this year I'm gonna try starting summer squash seeds inside, um, hopefully in the next week or two and try to get ahead of those jackass bugs. Planting earlier um, just could do the trick, but another thing you can do is try growing your squash in a different bed. If you had an infestation in previous years, um, the probably the best thing that you can do is, if you remember where you planted them last time, don't plant them um, in the same bed because those um, bugs can live in the soil and they can be a problem again this year. Or you could also try a new variety. Um, supposedly um, those squash vine borers um, seem to like some squash varieties better than others. So, you know, it might be worth your try, uh, worth your effort to try to grow something new. Um, last year I had planted black zucchini and pumpkins and those stupid borers just ruined them all. Um, but you know what? They left the tatumi squash alone. So there's probably something to that. Tatume um, is a dual purpose squash. It can be harvested when it's about the size of a softball and you can use it um, like zucchini or you can let it grow and let it get to about the size of a basketball and then it's going to get like a hard shell around it just like a winter squash. I read online also that um, butternut squash are the least likely to get infested by squash vine borers so that may be a good option for you. Um, another kind I read about is an Italian variety called um, Tromboncino. It's supposed to be more resistant to um, the vine borers than zucchini, so I'm gonna check that one out. Um, I haven't grown that one before, but I think I really wanna try it. Uh, not only do the squash vine borers really dislike it, but it also looks crazy and I love crazy plants. It gets long and it can grow in curves and it has like this ball at the end where all the seeds are. Uh, it will stay soft like a 
um, summer squash. And I can really see like where people would think that it looks like a trombone. Um, I really want to try that squash. So I think I better write that down, make a note so I can remember to get some trombone seeds. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KVSR Black Sparrow Radio. We are a community-based radio station, and we depend on our members for support. So if you are enjoying my show, be sure to check out www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and learn more about the station and the other shows that we have. And also, you can learn how to become a member. While you are out on the Internet, please stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share my page. I really love hearing from you guys, and if you have a question or if you have a cool garden picture that you want to share, just go ahead and reach out. I'd love that. If you live in the Taylor area, um, also go check out the Taylor, Texas Backyard Gardeners Facebook group. We are a nice little group made up of local folks who love all types of plants. You don't have to be from Taylor to join, um, but if you are interested in growing Um, things in Central Texas. It's a nice place to meet folks and find out what's going on in their backyards. Right now, we are all concerned about the state of our gardens and landscaping. Temperatures have been so brutal right now um, for our part of Texas and not, and it's only supposed to get worse in the next few days. um, So, in the big scheme of things, losing some landscaping and some vegetable gardens is is disappointing but we can always replant like we need an excuse to buy more plants anyway you may have already thought about this but if you have elderly friends neighbors or relatives be sure to check on them see if they need any any help with like groceries or maybe help with their pets sometimes it's just the little things um, like that that can really make a difference with people Here in Central Texas, we are so conditioned to check on our neighbors when it's super hot, but um, not so much when it's super cold. So if you know someone who stays by themselves, um, just touch base and let them know that you are there for them if they need you. Okay, in the past couple weeks, I have mentioned that February is the ideal time for pruning and planting roses and then also planting seed potatoes Um, if you haven't been shopping for those there's still time and we're not going to be doing anything this week since it's so miserable and cold outside if you are looking for other things that can be planted or started this time of year don't forget to shop for asparagus crowns and artichoke crowns both of these crops can be grown in central texas but You'll need to plant them by the end of February so they have a chance to get established. Artichokes are members of the thistle family and they're native to the Mediterranean parts of the world. Artichokes actually do quite well in this part of central Texas. But no matter if you have the heavy black clay like we do um, here in Taylor or If you live on the other side of um, Interstate 35 and you have that hard caliche soil, you will want to plant your artichoke crowns in well-draining soil that is rich in compost. They love fertile soil, so add lots of compost if you are planting artichokes. 
Artichokes tend to get quite large, so plan on allowing them to have plenty of space because they can grow to maybe like three feet tall and three feet wide. Find a sunny spot in your garden um, for the artichokes. They need bright sun to grow and develop their flower heads, so don't put them in a shady location. Save that spot for something that can tolerate a bit of shade. Since um, we eat the underdeveloped artichoke um, flower heads, they need a strong, healthy root system in order um, to support those top-heavy blooms that you are going to grow. Green Globe is a variety that does well in Central Texas, but there are also um, other varieties you can try, and there's even some purple varieties that look pretty cool, but Green Globe is kind of the standard around here. This time of year, you will need to get artichoke crowns to plant, not seeds. Crowns are just root divisions. Um, artichokes are perennial plants that will come back year after year, and you can cut them back, and then you can also divide them and split up the plant, um, and then you actually can get multiple plants from one. You can start artichokes from seeds, but this is really the wrong time of year to try that. They wouldn't have time to sprout and produce this year. So look for those root divisions or potted transplants now. If you can get them in the ground by the end of February, you can look forward to harvesting some artichokes by July. Artichokes take a while to get established and grow, but they are one of the few plants that performs really well in our summer heat. Since they are perennials, they will die back, but then um, they return again and again um, over the years. When your artichoke plants get to be well, about three years old, um, you should start thinking about thinning your plants. If they get too crowded, they won't produce as many um, flower heads. Even though they can tolerate um, and they do tolerate our hot summers. Um, they aren't drought resistant. Like most crops, artichokes need plenty of water um, to get a good harvest. And these guys, um, they really want um, to be fertilized with like an organic liquid product probably every two or three weeks. Artichokes usually produce, mm, you know, seven to 10 buds, uh, flower buds per plant. Now, if you aren't really into eating the artichokes, um, they are still a cool plant to grow. They have spiky looking silvery gray green fronds, um, and then they have these unusual thistle looking flowers um, that have bright purple petals um, that are, you know, are exposed when the um, flower head opens up. After you harvest all the buds um, that you're going to eat, you can cut the entire plant back down to the ground. Um, they will go dormant through the worst of the late summer's heat, but if you keep them well watered, they will start to come back in the fall and they'll put on some new growth and you might actually get um, a secondary harvest. You know, instead of cutting um the buds to eat you can just actually let them um, go ahead and bloom you can cut the blossoms and you can use them in flower arrangements or you can just leave them out in the garden 
they are actually they are really striking and when the flowers are done then they will set seed they will dry out and they're going to create these poofy filaments around the seed they look like a uh, dandelion seed head um, but on steroids each artichoke seed is surrounded by the silvery feathery poofs i don't know what the actual word is for the poof but each seed poof is about the size of a ping pong ball and if it catches the wind it floats easily through the air i love dandelions and i love regular thistles too so these cool artichoke flowers are right up my alley and you know what the bees love artichoke flowers too so if you're wanting to have plants that help the bees then maybe you should look at adding an artichoke plant or two in your garden or even in your flower bed um, because if you're looking for a plant with striking foliage and unusual flowers get an artichoke they don't have um, very many pest issues to worry about and they're fairly easy to grow around here artichoke crowns aren't the only perennial root divisions that you can plant in February once we get past this asinine cold weather you can also plant asparagus crowns now through the end of the month now I'm gonna be honest with you I don't like asparagus at all I think it makes a very interesting and ornamental plant that's pretty but I don't like the way it tastes, I don't like the way it smells, so I am not all that enthusiastic about it. But there are lots of asparagus fans um, and asparagus people listening today. And we can grow it here in Central Texas. So just because I'm not going to eat it doesn't mean that I shouldn't talk about it. I mean, after all, I talk about oak trees and Bermuda grass on this show, and I don't eat those either. Anyway... <laughs> I always want to encourage people to grow the foods that they love. So let's talk about asparagus. Like artichokes, asparagus is also a perennial and it will grow and produce and then it will go dormant and then it'll come back in the spring year after year. Not only, um, it does better in cooler parts of Texas, like North Texas and West Texas, but asparagus can be grown in our area if you find the right spot and you grow a variety that tolerates our slightly warmer climate. From what I found, um, you want to look for Mary Washington, Jersey Night, and Jersey Giant varieties for our gardens here in Taylor and Central Texas. Since asparagus uh, needs to stay in one permanent spot. It's really important that you select the right spot in your garden and make sure that you prepare the bed well. You have one opportunity to prep your soil and get it right because you don't want to disturb the roots once you get them planted. Asparagus grows best in full sunlight with well-draining lightweight soil. So if you plant in the ground in our black heavy clay soil here in Taylor you really need to amend it generously with sand and lots and lots of compost sand and compost are going to help a whole lot with keeping your soil loose and light and that is 
the perfect kind of soil for asparagus. If you have a spot in your garden um, that is like on the north side, that would be a good location because um, it'd be a good location, especially if it's um, sort of out of the way. These plants are going to be there for a very long time, so don't put them somewhere that is going to be taking up prime gardening space. It's asparagus. You're not going to hurt his feelings if it's not front and center and in the best spot in your garden. When you get your asparagus crowns, you'll notice that they um, look a whole like a string mop. What you want to do um, when you plant them is to like dig two trenches with a mound or a hill in the center. And then you're going to spread out the asparagus roots into that trench and then cover them up with the dirt from the mound. Um, you know, there are lots of really enthusiastic asparagus growers out there. And if you just look on the internet, you're going to find lots of videos on, on YouTube and they have really good tips for um, growing asparagus. With asparagus, it's going to take three years before you're supposed to be able to harvest any of the spears to eat. But if you keep your asparagus beds moist, you can have lots of spears for years and years. Now, each winter, the ferny feathery parts on top, um, those are going to turn brown and they'll, they'll die back. You're just going to want to cut that mess down, and then in the spring, you'll get new growth. All right. Well, that's about all that I have for today. Um, it is so awfully cold, so be safe if you have to leave the house, and make sure you check on your friends and family and see if they need anything, and be sure to keep those faucets dripping inside, too. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me um, today. Hopefully next week we will have much more reasonable weather and we can evaluate all the damage that happened or maybe didn't happen in our gardens. All right. Well, have a great and wonderful week. Take care. Bye. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas. Thank you.